What's going on everybody and welcome to the Videographer's Journey podcast. My name is Aviv Benor and today on this show we have Jake Escobar, a very established videographer who is really passionate about sound and music and this whole episode is about sound and music in your videos. So this is like super, super valuable. Stay tuned. Here we go. So uh, why won't you go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself? Um, what it, is it that you do? Uh, I saw some of your work. Um, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do and how do you, uh, how do you, how did you got to do it? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a full-time multimedia specialist, which means that I do pretty much anything the client wants me to. Um, <laughs> but I specialize in media production, specifically in audio engineering. Um, I started my journey of video production actually when I was in high school, um, I started taking TV broadcasting classes, and by my sophomore year, I got my uh, professional certification in television broadcasting. Um, unfortunately, television broadcasting is a little bit in the world of the past, especially because mm -hmm. all the new TV stations have robot servos to control all their cameras. Uh, but oh, yeah. yeah, since after that, um, I did the uh, regular just spiel of self-employed videographer so i did weddings i did events i did a lot of photo shoots um but now i'm finally getting to a place where i can focus on my main passion which is audio engineering um whether that mean music production composition mixing or mastering um i also oh, nice um on the side also teach um students music um i'm a jazz bass player my um i come from a very musical family my mom's a music teacher wow. so got that bug. Um, and yeah, I also enjoy to play music. Wow. So you're all about the sound. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's nothing more than I love than talking about audio and talking all about sounds and, um, oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's what we'll do. That's yeah. what we will do. Yeah. Okay. I like, I really love it when <laughs> an audience, you know, uh, when the interview is with a lot of passion. I don't want to take you to places you're not interested to. Um, so, okay. Uh, where are you from, by the way? I'm from Seattle, Washington. I'm actually nice. now living in uh, Redmond, which is just right by uh, Lake Sammamish. Is it, uh, is it snowing yet? Um, no, but you know what? We have had some really bad wind these past few days, so much so that my set for a, a shoot Thursday actually got destroyed, believe it or not. Um, what? Yeah. I thought, so, I thought bad in terms of sound, not in terms of physical yeah, so harm. It was, I mean, partially my fault. Um, we have this little boat storage area for the lake. I don't have money to buy a boat, but I keep all of my big Yet. equipment and big Yet. speakers there. Um, and yeah, we had a windstorm and my whole tent actually got caught and like flew and bent over. And it was mainly because I didn't have it properly mounted down, but, um, yeah, I'm going to have to send out new call sheets today, um, in finding a new location. Fortunately, I already scouted, um, a couple different backup locations, but this Thursday I have a music video shoot for this fantastic musician named Jason Norman. Really excited to be working with him and really excited to release the project that will be coming out uh, the 31st on Halloween. Oh, wow. So wait, you do everything or you do most of like the the sound and music work? Oh, no. Because you just I, yeah. said you say you're scouting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do it all. Yeah. So from the beginning. Of you're a one-man band? Kind of yes. Like yes. 
Um, yeah, from the, the beginning of the process to the end, I pride myself on being versed in all aspects of video production. Um, I don't tell myself as being the best, of course, but yeah, um, I, I pride myself on being a one man crew and the reality of that is just, that's the only way I was able to find work. Um, because mm -hmm. I, I got a few gigs as PA and I got some gigs doing sound stuff and they were okay, but, um, I knew I could be doing more and I had most of the equipment, just like a basic Manfrotto tripod that I bought used. Um, I've had my fair share of Canon, uh, EOS series mm -hmm. DSLRs, um, as well as some less fancy cameras, but, um, yeah, I got my digital juice light kit that I absolutely swear by. It's a uh, great for everything I need, has some good gels to, uh, go to any temperature you need. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I have my mics, which I love. Um, and then throughout the whole editing process, um, yeah, I, I'm a video editor. And with that, I can call myself a director or producer or whatever. Yeah, but of course, it, I, of I'm course. just the guy that, that does the video. Yeah. Yeah, don't listen. Don't underestimate yourself. I mean, shooting and deciding on how everything is going to look on set and off set, you're absolutely a director, you know? I mean, yeah. of course, a lot of people think of a director, something out of Hollywood, but most of the time, no. I mean, somebody needs to direct this thing in a certain direction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've had the great opportunity to work with some actors that are way above my pay grade. And truly, like, mm -hmm. on being set in my experience as a director, coaching talents and actors and just crews, I think the best advice I've given myself is to just be nice and uh, connect with the actors a little bit. Um, oftentimes what I see on sets, which turned me off a lot is just, um, there's a strict above the line and below the line on the production mm -hmm. crew. And a lot of times the, uh, you know, talents, especially if you're on like a more small bare bones set can feel frustrated because it's, it's like everything is happening without them. So, if a, as a director, you're telling them about why you're making these creative choices, like I need you to be more angry in this scene or act as if someone took a lollipop out of your hand or whatever the ridiculous specific scenario is, being yeah. able to tell them why that is going to be effective for storytelling like this. That's so true. Yeah, this scene is going to be better conveying. If we need the message of this, then this is going to make it that. And I'm still learning every day, um, of course. But anytime I direct, I I always just think first about the message that I'm trying to convey with the whole piece, and then the best way I could communicate that in my head to the talent. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. So. What, what what are your main uh, line of um, of like video styles uh, you shoot? Video yeah. types. Yeah. So um, as I got certified in television broadcasting, um, the majority of a lot of my professional work has been uh, sort of man on the street style interview pieces. Um, so it looks like going to a location. Um, setting up for a couple of interviews, making it look pretty like a documentary, and then shooting all the B-roll of everything they're talking about, um, and then stitching together a piece where, excuse me, they talk about whatever it is they're talking about, roll the beautiful B-roll, 
and then there's always a call to action at the end. Um, it's a pretty mm-hmm. simple, tried and true format. It's nothing too artistic or exciting. Um, but recently, I have been trying to get into the realm of doing more creative projects like music videos, because, of course, music mm-hmm. is my passion. And if I could bring those yeah. two together, it'd be a home run. So why won't you do like so the first type of videos are, uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, but testimonial, kind of like corporate testimonial or just yeah. testimonial in general? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. actually, I should mention that I've had the amazing opportunity to travel the world strictly through my professional video work um, and an awesome client of mine, uh, Microsoft. Um, I got to go to uh, Berlin in Germany. I went to London. I went to um, all over the U.S., places I had never been. And it was all doing one-man crew uh, video production. However, it's not glamorous. (laughs) Um, I'm not there shooting on a big movie set. The reality is that we're doing something called consumer research. So where they sit a bunch of people in a room and they say, hey, what do you think about this product or this product? And then later, all of the big execs are going to review all the footage and everything. Right. But it's my job there to set up microphones for every single person. And then as a camera operator, I have two of them. I need to make sure as soon as the person in the conversation is talking, I instantly zoom in and get the close up on their shot. So it actually is pretty stressful work because it's like uh, the sessions can be like almost three hours long sometimes. Wow. Um, and I have to be standing the whole time and like no breaks. Yeah. So wait, you the, do the interviews as well? No, no, no. So uh, in the consumer research, um, I am like a ghost. I don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a moderator there um, And consumer research is a phenomenal opportunity um, as a videographer. If you're motivated and you know you can do it all, so you can set up the camera, you can set up the mic, you can make sure your color balance is good, and you have everything perfect so that as soon as you set it, send that footage to the editor, um, or if you're the editor yourself, then mm-hmm. uh, you're good. I'm. It's, it's definitely s- simple work, but it's very stressful because it's very easy to mess up that one bit of audio and throughout that whole three hours of footage the only part that they might use is like 10 seconds and a normal day in the life of consumer research is we do three sessions during the whole day so we'll wake up um get to the research center uh start at 11 um for there's usually like a few different age groups, depending on what kind of study it is. Like they'll do ages 15 to 24 as one group and then ages 26 to 35 and so on. Um, and in between every group, we'll have like about an hour break to talk or lunch. And there's a group of people behind this panel of glass. It actually was really cool when I got to go to foreign countries, hearing the moderators talk in languages I didn't know, like German. Um, yeah, that was even more stressful because I had no idea what anyone was saying, but I just had to shoot when they were talking. Yeah. yeah. So wait, did you have like the, the uh, did you have the, an experience when uh, sound went wrong? Something, you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've had so many horror stories and I. That's my and, nightmare. That's yeah. my nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's Sound all of ours. Or, or shoot. I mean, oh wow. Yeah. I mean, losing footage, um, bad audio or bad. Oh my gosh. I've 
I've seen it all. I've had all the heart attacks and tell me, tell me your worst. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I can think specifically, um, back on a time when I was working for this organization called Foundry 10, we were forming, or sorry, we were filming a feature length documentary where we were going around filming a ton of students and teachers and educators related to hip hop dancing in the greater Seattle, um, Washington area. And it was really cool. Um, however, I was never on set for the actual shooting. I was just in charge of sound. So as the mixing engineer and sound engineer for the project, um, unfortunately, having a bare bones team of not that many mistakes happen sometimes. And yeah. my instructions I gave to them were how to set up the mic, how to set up um, all the gains properly and everything. And it got to a point where I had a few interviews where there was no sound at all uh, because they plugged in the mic and didn't turn it on. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, wow. So from that experience, I have learned all about backup and safety and great DIY effective ways you can get good sounds. Um, one awesome way that I would highly recommend for any aspiring video producer is using a smartphone as a lavalier microphone. Um, Really? Yes. And I, I still swear by this. And I have several, if not dozens of professional videos, which, um, <laughs> I mean, don't tell anyone, but the audio was just filmed <laughs> on a cell phone. Um, really? And, and the, the audio itself, just, just, you just put it like next to the interviewee and, and that's right. Yeah. Because truly with audio proximity is everything if you can get a great proximity to your talent whatever your sound source is even if your microphone is not great you're going to have a good level and the cool thing with uh smartphones is that usually they have like a built-in dsp so it's not going to clip or anything um that being said on that point if you're using an iphone and you use the voice recorder app you need to make sure you go to the settings to set it to lossless to make sure you're recording the highest quality If you're on an Android oh, wow. smartphone, then it's actually worthwhile to download a dedicated app. Um, there's plenty on the uh, Google Play Store, but any of them that just have like, quote unquote, uncompressed audio. And usually what I'll do during a shoot like that, as I've learned now, is I'll always have my phone and I'll plug it in. I'll ask them to put it either in their jacket pocket or I'll put it right behind the talent or wherever it is. And just for a backup audio in case. It's always yeah. great. Um, wow. This is, this is also a great way to um, use a handheld microphone if your microphone dies. You can just have them hold the cell phone and talk into it. Um, as long as they're not super close to it, you can usually get away with it. Because as I was saying with proximity, once you give your uh, sound recorded to your mixing editor or your post editor, chances are that if you have good proximity and there's not a lot of wind noise and there's not like popping or touching in the microphone, they can do some EQ and compression goodness to make it sound okay. Um, the big problems are when you set your microphone gains improperly. So everything is recorded way too quiet. And then you have what's called preamp hiss. So when you boost it up, there's like this hiss that covers up all of yeah. your audio. Um, and then on the flip side of that is clipping, which is very easy to do. It's when you record too loud um you distort and then you lose all of your audio yeah wow that's a hell of a tip man 
yeah. I never thought about it. And, you know, honestly, coming from a sound technician or a sound guy or a music guy, whatever, I mean, it's just, it's giving me so much confidence now yeah. to do it, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's seriously like, uh, I don't know. I, when I, when I was taught that I thought the same thing, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you gotta be kidding. But I mean, truthfully, like the, the microphones that are in our modern day smartphones are great. Um, a lot of the new phones actually have several parabolic microphones on both sides of the phone. And it's a great tool that honestly is slept on as a video production tool. Um, yeah. Now, would I recommend it for recording Foley and ADR and all that stuff? Absolutely not. Yeah, um, if not. you can afford to, then it's always great to have a proper microphone. Um, that being said, I have had voiceovers and narrations done remotely when I had a file that I sent or we recorded or someone else recorded and it turned out to be bad, like it was clipped or too quiet. And then I've actually had to email them, say, hey, um, so I know you're in Boston right now, but this is due tomorrow. So I need you to uh, re-record the narration for me on your phone. And I'm going to teach you how. Uh, so specifically, if you want to record narration on your smartphone, the key is to stay six inches away from your phone and then be in a place where there's as, as dead as you can, like a closet or a bathroom car. or a car. Yeah, car is a fantastic is example. Yeah. 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 Wow, man. Uh, it's so funny you're saying so because, um, well, you don't know this. Uh, I don't know if the audience know this. Uh, but I used to, um, I used to be an actor. Oh, wow. In awesome. A, yeah. In a, in, that's how I got to be a videographer. Oh, so fantastic. I used to be, um, yeah, I, I used to be, a, an actor in a video, uh, in a children's TV show here in Israel. And, uh, we had a couple of scenes where sometimes, um, I'm talking over some other actors or, uh, you know, my, my, my words coming out, not very clear. And so they, send me a request to re-record uh, that, uh, you know, to, to make a voiceover again over yeah. that scene. And they always ask to do it with a phone. And it's funny. <laughs> I've been asked like three times yeah. already. Yeah. And I now mean, when you're saying it, like uh, uh, something like clicked, I was like, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, proximity is everything because if you have a thousand dollar microphone but it's 10 feet away from your talent and you have a 50 dollar android smartphone and it's right next to your talent that smartphone's going to win every single time yeah but what do you say okay so what's your tip in terms of sound for um you know all the new all the new people out there who wants to start their career uh, in videography uh and doing you know their business as a one-man show what would you recommend doing? Because when I started, I didn't have any sound. Till this day, I don't have sound equipment. I mm -hmm. always have a sound technician with me or I rent out some uh, boom mics or neck mics. Totally. So what is your advice? Yeah. Um, so specifically for onset recordings, I use a Zoom H6 um, four-track recorder, which is fantastic. Um, it's everything I need and more for um, onset recording and boom. Um, but for people who are just trying to get into location sounds, um, the Zoom H4 and H4n, I want to say H3 maybe even, um, any of those options that have an XLR out that's capable of phantom power are going to be everything you need. Um, 
And there's this company called Sound Devices, which makes the best field recording equipment in the world. Uh, they also can What's cost- What's the name? Sound Devices? It's just called Sound Devices. Yes. I, mm -hmm. um, I hope to have one someday because those are super, super expensive. <laughs> um, but <laughs> they're great. And I mean, a lot of um, audio is is truthfully like planning more than money like there's a there's a misconception excuse me that um you need a lot of money to get a nice microphone or a nice interface or a nice boom mic or anything but as i was saying with the smartphone i mean theoretically this this sounds really silly but if you were mounting a smartphone to a boom pole and you had a uh, fluffy on it so you had a uh, wind noise yeah it would mm -hmm. function and it would be fine and Effectively, that's what a boom microphone is, except for the boom microphone is a different kind. It's called a small diaphragm or a large diaphragm condenser. Um, yeah. That being said, I could not recommend more uh, buying used. Um, I have personally bought probably 75% of all of my professional sound equipment used. And yeah, that's so true. Because the these things, they don't go bad. I mean, yeah, it they takes don't. a lot of time to go bad. Yeah. No, I mean, if they're properly maintained, they seriously are good as new and microphones especially um unless you drop them unless you really do something wrong like run phantom power to it or yeah. not which you know is like kind of a myth anyways uh, that's not true but um yeah. yeah i mean i i think it, a lot of people would be surprised of how great of sound and how great of sound people get away with on professional sets with quote unquote crappy equipment. So, um, yeah, if I was a aspiring sound recorder and I wanted to get into audio again, and I was talking to myself, uh, the best advice I could ever give, and I'd give this to anyone trying to go into media is just create and keep creating. Um, because no matter what, if you keep doing it every time, even if it gets, uh, frustrating or whatever, it's bound to get better and you're bound to learn every time. And mm -hmm. I find that even now after recording hundreds of interviews and uh, recording bands and sessions that I'm always learning new things about my equipment and how it works. Um, every piece of gear has its quirks and its features. Um, that being said, for trying to get into sound, sorry, I'm getting away this question from a long way around. No, no, I, I really, I really like, I want to get in like, um, I really want to pick your brain on this thing. Yeah. Uh, something really like that bothers me. I think a lot of people, and I had this at the beginning when it comes to creative side, like, mm -hmm. you know, creative professions. And I'm talking now about videography and we're talking about sound. Yeah. So there's a point we, we tend to forget that our audience most of the time see our projects on their phone. Or you know what? Even if they have a home cinema, it doesn't matter. Yeah. A lot of the times we, we tend to forget that yeah. uh, they don't see quality as we see it. There's a, a point where they don't see the difference between ver various, uh, you know, uh, various cameras, lenses, and sound. They don't see it. We see it. They don't. Yeah. And yeah. that's when where I think story is always more important than these things. And my, I guess my question is like in terms of priority, yeah. Because at the beginning you don't have money and you don't want to invest in these things, right? So what do you think when it comes to sound should be the priority? 
So um, to speak to your point of you know spending money on gear and diminishing return, I could absolutely not agree with you more that there is a there's a point where you know the viewer is not going to care. So if you buy that ten thousand dollar lens versus your stock Canon five hundred dollar lens, like will they really know the difference? Like maybe. Um, is it going to help you tell a better, effective story potentially? But if you're not telling the best story already and you haven't hit all of your core principles of video production, like good lighting, good sound, uh, good framing, proper um, technique in that regard, then it's uh, yeah, no matter how much money you spend on your gear, it's it's always going to be a bad product. And with sound specifically, um, and really this kind of goes for all of video production, but I think that just thinking with intent. So before you start shooting, imagine that wherever the microphone is, is where your ears would be. So let's say that you have a uh, someone you're talking to, right? And you want to put a microphone to capture them. If you put it way to the side and they're talking directly to you, chances are the recording's not going to be as good as it would be if you put it right in front of you because they're speaking in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. In the same regard, if you're shooting a scene where people are moving all over the place, then it might make more sense to have a microphone, um, a, what's called omnidirectional. So just capturing everything. Um, yeah. With with video production and that's uh, that whole kind of stuff. Like I, I really don't think I could stress more that good audio and good lighting is what will set you apart from an amateur and a professional. Yeah, because totally, when you see a scene that is lit from the 1980s um, in a TV uh, sitcom special, their cameras are not HD. Their cameras are you know, they're, they're old and their yeah. audio equipment is old too. And truthfully, we're living in one of the best times ever to be a creator because the <laughs> That's tools so true. are cheaper than ever. Um, Cost of entry is almost nothing compared absolutely. to what it used yeah. to be. You can shoot on your smartphone. You can record on your smartphone. Um, yeah. I mean, to everyone that thinks that you need more equipment before you start creating, you don't. You just need to keep creating because the truth is, is that if you give a 10 year veteran just a handheld little camera and you give an amateur the $10,000 red camera, you can go on YouTube and look at the results and you'll see how, okay, I understand the video quality is better, but that's just a better video. And exactly. audio goes the exact same way. Um, now to speak to the role of audio in film, as far as consumers regard, um, I actually, of course I'm biased because I'm a sound guy, but I would argue <laughs> that a good audio is way more important than good video. So if you were to, for example, uh, shoot a entire scene with an iPhone camera while using a professional mic versus if you were to shoot that same scene with a yeah. red camera using the built-in red microphone, the iPhone camera with the professional mic is going to be a better piece just every single time. And yeah. um, there's a YouTube channel called uh, Rocket Jump. Uh, fantastic video creators, Brandon Latch and Freddie Wong. Um, some of my I I role, them. yeah, some of my videographer role models growing up. Um, they have a cool series called Rocket Jump Film School, and they actually do a shootout comparison. So you can see for yourself, like which one seems better. And 
a lot of time people think like, oh, like, of course, the video matters more because that's all I see. Like, I'm just watching on my phone. It doesn't matter. Right. But then when you have bad audio, if you're on a home theater, if you're on your phone, no matter what it is, it's it's going to stand out. You're going to notice it. And the viewer is going to be like, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. And as soon as they're taking out of the scene and that illusion, if something is just obviously wrong, then people are able to notice because not everyone knows the intricacies of uh, composing a shot and the focus and the bokeh and all of that stuff. But people know when something doesn't sound right or when someone's yeah, talking exactly. and they can't hear. And as soon as you lose that sense of reality, then your your piece is no like as soon as they a, a normal person, a consumer or any viewer just notices something that makes them say, hey, something about this video is not right. Uh, your whole piece is is no longer a professor professional work. Uh, that's what can set you apart from amateur. Exactly. And if we're talking about that, um, what's your whole take on uh, soundtrack and like music in a clip? Um, this is one of my biggest passions. I can, I used to mm -hmm. like waste around 10 hours just to find the right track for this three minute video I just made. Oh, totally. Um, um, so what's your take on like the, uh, the music and then like sound effects and stuff? Absolutely. So, um, as a responsible, uh, videographer, I should tell you that, if you are going to be using any sort of music or sound effects in your projects, um, especially if you plan on uh, putting this out professionally, if it's not just a passion project and you're going to mm -hmm. keep it at your house, um, it is in your best interest to always use copyright-free music. Um, unless you're going to pay for the copyright for that track, then you need to find what's called royalty-free or um, creative commons without attribution music. And... For a long time, uh, it used to cost a lot of money to subscribe to websites like Audioblocks and other stock music yeah. um, sites. But believe it or not, we actually now have YouTube to thank for a fantastic library of copyright-free music. Um, this yeah, is another resource that YouTube gives all of its creators that a lot of people uh, don't know about. But the YouTube audio library is yeah, that's true. they have all of these songs and all these different genres. Of course, now, is this music going to be the best ever? No, it's copyright-free music. Like the people that, that make this music make it because they know it's to set a mood and anyone can use it without paying for it. Um, yeah. So do you, do you know, do you know art list, by the way? Uh, do I know music artists? No, art list, artlist.io. Oh, art uh, no, I don't. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah, going to so, write that down. Yeah. So write it down. Uh, yeah. by the way, for all everybody's listening, uh, I'm not a sponsor. I was just <laughs> thinking about them. Yeah. I'm, I've been using them for around two years and I've been super happy. So, uh, what's funny is, uh, they're coming to be very famous around the world. It's an Israeli startup. Wow. And basically you get like amazing soundtracks. Yeah, amazing, amazing composers over there from all over the world. And you don't, you subscribe for a year in a fixed price of around $260 for a year. 
Yeah. And you can download unlimited tracks and it's basically you you're not limited by license because Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever whenever you download something, you it, you can license it for TV, for YouTube, for Facebook, for whatever. But a lot of the times the uh the size of the license uh or the price is based on the uh your assumption of how many impressions the video is going to get. Uh, is it going yeah. to broadcast on TV or Facebook or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, and then the price goes really, really high, really fast. Yeah. And there is just a fixed price. So it's, yeah, I really uh, recommend um, for everyone to check it. it, it it's really great. That's, that's super cool. Yeah, I, I just pulled up this website. This looks freaking awesome. And Yeah, they're really uh, awesome. And they also have uh, uh, something uh, for, um, for footage. So that's art grid. That's something else. Um, but wait a second. I wanted to ask you a specific question about the the your process. Yeah. When when picking a song, picking a music track for your videos, how do you do? How do you go about and do it? Because I um, now I am actually trying to choose the music before I go to shoot and decide with the client Absolutely. what that soundtrack is going to be. So how do you go about and do it? Oh my gosh, this is a, <laughs> oh man, I love this question and I am so hesitant to answer because I, I really, I don't know the right answer. Um, but my process with, you know, picking what music your soundtrack is, um, I, I mean, obviously from just our conversation, you can tell I love music. I'm a musician yeah. and one of the, my favorite things about music is all of the emotion that it holds just like any mm -hmm. other piece of um, art or digital media there's certain emotions that it evoke um, if you know anything about music theory there's chords called major chords which make us feel more happy and minor chords which make us feel more sad and if you are thinking about intentfully putting a song to set the tone and the mood for the scene that's what's going to help you successfully choose the right song because um there are uh, the social network uh the feature film actually is a great example of this where mm -hmm. there's two cuts of one where the the song at the very beginning was very sad and it sets the whole tone for a movie in a completely different way because yeah. mark zuckerberg is this anti-social guy and he loses his friends and everyone thinks he's crazy and then there's this sad song and it's just a compilation of him walking around whereas in the movie they had an upbeat happy one that's you know i don't need all my friends i'm mark zuckerberg i can do anything and <laughs> uh, you know it's it sounds silly but just what music you pick can dictate all of that i mean it can turn your so shots true. of whatever you're shooting into something completely different so if i was to give advice on how to choose music i would think first what kind of feeling am I trying to evoke? Like, what's my purpose of putting this song in? Because an easy trap to fall in as a uh, creative director uh, is you get biased and you put the stuff in that you like. Like, oh, I'll put my favorite song in there because it's my favorite song. Yeah, And that's great. I mean, if it's your passion project and you want to do it so you know what you like, that's, that's cool. But... Usually, if you want to do effective storytelling, then you need to think unbiasedly and with intent. So it's not just you, but 
a great thing about being a creative director is that you have your own list of all of the songs that, you know, make yourself happy or sad. Like I personally have a bunch of scribblings and notebooks full of all new songs. I'm always, always listening to music, new music, and I can't recommend yeah. more that everyone just keeps listening to new music um, from different cultures, from different uh, time periods. It's just, it's so enriching, but yeah, that's so true. And uh, sorry for interrupting. No, please. Uh, I saw I saw a, uh, a tip on YouTube. I don't remember the uh, the guy who said it, but I think about it now and and with what you're saying, and it's so true. Depend on the library you're registered to, if it's Epic Sound or Artlist or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can download their app and listen to music as you work. And once in a while, when you hit on on a song or a soundtrack or whatever that you liked, you just put it in a library. And when time comes and you need to actually pick something, you already have libraries for happy, sad, uh, dramatic, whatever. And you didn't have to invest the time per project to do Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Yes, that's exactly right. And just as you have a library of literal media assets in your um, on your computer that you will grow as you grow as a videographer and as creative. You also have that non-literal library of just thought processes and ideas and techniques in your head that you know from doing a project like, oh my gosh, if I play a sad song on this scene right into a happy song on the next scene, then the the shift of tone and the whole story just has this huge impact. And there's all these different... like combos you know like this kind of song and then that kind of song or this kind of song before that kind of song and of course yeah. watching great films with great soundtracks is amazing way to learn um just listening to any sort of soundtrack is is great way to learn um yeah my whole you... running playlist is is uh scores for movies yeah it's like <laughs> yeah awesome wait i have okay i want to ask you this did you ever happen to uh, did did this have ever happen to you when a client goes halfway through the project and tells you, okay, let's uh, switch the music. I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. And Please I mean, tell me what do you do? Yeah. So at the end of the day, as a media professional, if you want to keep your clients rolling in, then you got to keep them happy. And I I learned that from the very beginning that you can't let ego be in there at all if you want to be successful in this industry unless you're the most creative genius in the world and you're creating the new just gospel that's that's great keep on doing that but uh doing a great job as a professional videographer and storyteller means helping the people that you're working for tell the story they want to tell not the one that you want to tell and oftentimes a simple change of soundtrack can make that happen. Um, you know, people don't like things and like things for weird reasons. But to speak to what happens when someone says, I want to change something that I feel is really important, then my argument is not, okay, we should use this song because it's great. I always give the argument of how it stems to the core foundation of our mission, which is telling the story of this, right? Like you hired me to create a commercial for your business to promote more people. 
And if mm-hmm. I use this song uh, versus this song, I think it's going to set a better mood and our audience is more likely to retain over the whole video. Um, that's not a great argument for <laughs> using a song, but uh, examples like that. I mean, if you can explain yourself of why you use the song, it, except for just that you chose it and you like it, that's going to help legitimize your choice of song. Because a lot of times people will think, oh, okay, well, I didn't think about it that way, but that that makes sense now. And the, the fact that you're thinking about those goals and intents just makes me trust your decision. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we have our interests aligned. Absolutely. And, yeah. and now I trust you because I know you have my interest to sell more or whatever that this video is meant to be. Right. And that, yeah. Yeah. That being said, if they don't like the song, you just got to take it out. Like keep the client happy. I've had yeah. plenty of projects that, you know, have made plenty of creative decisions that I hated or would not do personally. But that's how I keep getting work is I keep them happy. And if you can do that, then you're doing a great job. Yeah, that's so true. And what I found is, um, you know, managing client expectations in terms of like in the, um, you know, in the beginning of the project, just telling them, okay, listen, first of all, we're going to decide on a, <clears throat> sorry, on a song mm-hmm. um, that depends on your end goal. I will decide, I will give you like options. Yeah. Usually I'll give them around three options. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like I know which one I want them to pick. So totally. I'll pick yeah. like a really good one. And then the other two is yep. like, eh. yep. oh, and yeah. I know. <laughs> and, and that way the client knows he picked it up. Right. And I tell them from the beginning, uh, listen, after we're going to do this, after the rough cut, there is no changes yes. for the music, yes. for, the, for the sound, because everything sits on the beat. And if you're changing this, the whole video will change. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah. So, oh, it is. Bear in mind, oh, you cannot change that. Yeah, and yeah, I, I resonate so much with what you said because I could not stress it is so, so, so important to have clear communication with your clients, especially about the point of uh, beyond the point of no return, and that is a great example of making it very clear that okay. In this phase of the project, let's say we have five phases, we need to pick a song. And once we pick it, we cannot change it. And that's okay because you're going to be the one picking it, not me. And as long as they understand that, then it's great. Um, Problems happen when you don't communicate that and you say, oh, okay, yeah, I can make whatever changes. Like, just tell me what you think. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I don't like the song. And if it's like a... Yeah, as you said, if it's beat edits, the whole thing. Well, okay. Yeah, I think no. most of the people yeah. don't go there yeah. uh, from the get-go because they're afraid to be too harsh on the client from the beginning. Absolutely. And, and it's a it's a fear, definitely, that I know a lot of aspiring creators have because they just want to make him everyone happy. But if yeah, but you, a, yes man, a yes man doesn't... I mean, nobody sees a yes man and say, wow, he's a professional. Right, Exactly. Yeah, when you have the you know responsibility and the just the thoughtfulness to be able to think through everything you're doing and tell them why it has to be that way, they're going to hold you in respect and they're going to trust you. Uh, if the whole time throughout the process they're just asking you, uh, "What do you think? Uh, what about this? What about this?" and they just 
boss you around on all these different changes and you go back and forth on drafts and drafts and drafts and drafts, then not only are you not getting very efficient work done, but you're teaching the client that that's okay. And usually, unless yeah. you're working for an hourly rate, which is awesome, but if you're on a flat rate project, that means that you are getting, uh, you're working for nothing because oftentimes yeah. they will, if on a flat rate project, you'll give them a draft and you'll say, okay, here's this. And they'll ask, oh, well, I need all these huge changes. And it's so important um, if it, whether it looks like a contract or a verbal agreement or anything, just communication with the client about what yeah. is going to be permanent and what can and cannot happen. And yeah, when so you let true. them know that, they they recognize you as not just an amateur but a professional yeah that's so true and uh, when i i only done this like uh after sometimes uh sometime working like i created a pdf i asked this uh, graphic designer to design it but mm -hmm. the whole pdf is like showing the client all the stages we are going to go through yeah from pre-production to production to post yeah and and then I'm going with the client over the phone or in a meeting on that uh, document. And I'm backing it up in the uh, agreement. On the, uh, the agreement is, in, is the actual quote. So I have it like, you know, it's like a three-way of making sure we understand each other. Yeah, absolutely. And that also can show them that you are making progress too, which as a media creator and uh, just content creator, I'm sure you know, can be very frustrating because on the yeah. client side, if you're working on a documentary or something that's a big piece and it's been a month and a half and you still don't have a rough cut because you've been working your butt off on edits all the way through, the client yeah. often doesn't see that. They just see, we our video's not done, what's up? Yeah, and exactly. Being exactly. able to show them all of the steps and metrics, show them, okay, yeah, we are making progress. This is on the right track, and I trust them. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you order stuff from abroad, like from China, mm -hmm. <laughs> AliExpress, anything like that, if you know these things, yeah, um, they will send you an email uh, two days later after you, uh, you get your, uh, after you, uh, you put your order, and they'll tell you it's on its way. Now, my friend does a lot of dropshipping, which mm -hmm. is like, uh, you know what's dropshipping? Um, I believe so, but refresh me just for the no, viewers. No, uh, no, it's <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really necessary for okay. the conversation, but yeah. it's like just uh, buying stuff from, uh, from AliExpress and selling it uh, on higher prices oh, to, okay. sure, uh, on sure. the internet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Never mind. So, so he told me that the truth is they send it out and it could still be in the manufacturer's shop. Yeah. And they just sending it out just to keep you calm. Yeah. And yeah. what you said what you said, I mean it 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 hits on the same notes. Like I, I'm not saying lying, of course not. Right. But every step of the way, if you can update your client, he can feel a part of the process and not just your client. Like right. if you can sit okay, if you can sit beside him or you can sit in front of him. That's the that's the that's the the difference i think yeah absolutely i mean communication is everything in this industry i mean we are in the industry of communicating <laughs> through media yeah. um yeah, yeah, and totally. that starts with being able to 
talk to your clients and your crew and always setting reasonable expectations and reasonable deadlines and having a backup plan for what happens when you don't meet a deadline and so on. Yeah, so true. Um, Jake, before we wrap this up, do you have anything um, you want to talk about specifically, something you want to say? Feel free, man. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, first, uh, Aviv, thank you so much for having me on. It's It's been an honor. This has been awesome uh, talking thank about Thank you, man. I mean, it's, it's the third... Yeah, it's the third uh, third time I'm doing this, so it's yeah. really exciting. Um, the the only last thing I'll note is um, I I noted uh, the YouTube audio library as a resource. Another resource mm -hmm. that I would uh, just beat myself over not mentioning is Freesound. Uh, Freesound mm -hmm. is a collaborative database of Creative Commons licensed sounds for both musicians and sound designers. So anything oh, uploaded wow. on the website is completely free, and you can use it for whatever you want, unless it's like strictly noted, like, hey, you need to attribute. And oh, yeah, yeah, I know this one. I know this one. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, professionals like me and other musicians and creators will always upload sounds and share it to it because it's awesome. Like there's so many amazing sounds to share um, with everyone. And especially if you're just getting into doing post-production sound like uh, uh, audio like sound effects or foley or anything like that free sound is a great place to start your library because it's completely free yeah amazing jake one last question before we go yeah. um you related to escobar in any way <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep no it's my that's my family <laughs> but but not pablo you, you get a lot i bet you get a lot oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, Jake, this was really great, my friend. Uh, and I really hope we can uh, continue this, you know, on uh, episode number two sometime. Absolutely. So, yeah, let me know if you want to do it. Um, and again, thank you. Thank you very much. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'll see you in the next episode. All right, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey, everyone. So I really hope you enjoyed this one with Jake Escobar, an amazing sound guy and videographer. Uh, I'll put a link to his work and website down below so you can go check it out and i'll see you in the next one yalla bye